Nick Grok with the Denver Post here with Cameron Wolf, also of the Denver Post. You're listening to the First and Orange podcast, all things Broncos. We're here from Dove Valley, Broncos headquarters. Cameron, let me throw one at you right away. Conspiracy theory of mine. Uh, feel free to completely dis- dismiss me. It's, I'm, not, I'm, I'm half serious about this. I have no evidence for this whatsoever, but C.J. Anderson went down this week. Uh-huh. It's the biggest story of the Broncos season so far. Uh, it happened in the same game that Devontae Booker suddenly excelled. Mm-hmm. Did they? Could they see this coming? Was there something that led? Might was is it possible that C.J. Anderson was hurting for more than just this week? That's that's interesting. I mean, I've no I've no evidence for this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't. I, I don't think that, like you said, there's no evidence to say that. Um, thing I will say is it's probably unlikely just because of the uh, nature of a meniscus injury. Um, if he suffered a meniscus injury previously, it most likely would have swollen up on him, and he wouldn't have been able to you know walk or run the way it is, even if it was minor. Usually the worst symptoms are a day or two after. So that kind of leads me to believe that's when it happened. Um, you know, different things kind of make you more susceptible for meniscus injuries. Obviously, running backs are more susceptible because they're cutting, and it's a cartilage injury in itself. So getting you know a loose portion of your knee, cutting back and forth, it's probably a cut CJ made 500 times in yeah. his career, and you know this one just didn't go his way. So um, I think it's probably more of a symptom of wear and tear and just mm-hmm. kind of you know this one did it. Um, but, you know, you never know. Um, you never know. Guys play through injuries all the time. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I needed you to dismiss me because <laughs> I hate conspiracy theories. They, they always come from no evidence whatsoever. But anyway, if nothing else, though, it's, it worked out actually pretty well for the Broncos considering um, the, the game that Devontae Booker suddenly completely flew through. <laughs> he, 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 had his mo- he, had more, he had more snaps than C.J. Anderson last week against mm-hmm. the Texans. Um, fewer carries, fewer yards, but he had more snaps. He was on the field more often. And he proved for the first time, really, on, on a large scale, that he could carry the load as a lead running back. And, it, and I mean, I, I, hate to, I hate to say it because losing C.J. Anderson is not insignificant, but if there was a situation where that would be ideal, it would be the game that, that Devontae Booker proved that he could play um, as a number one, and that's what happened. Um, but let's get back to CJ here for a second because be, beyond in, – in this year alone, the, th- the three biggest Broncos stories, I think, uh, re-signing Von Miller, mm-hmm. deciding on Trevor Simeon as your starting quarterback mm-hmm. – um, but both of those things happened before the season, right? essentially. So the biggest story so far during the season is C.J. Anderson's injury. It's mm-hmm. big. He's, he's not likely to come back this year. We don't know that for sure, but it's, pro- it's looking more and more like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how big a deal is it? And put it into context for how, how, the, how the Broncos will change without C.J. Anderson. But also um, – Tell me, tell me some more about his injury because Ben Roethlisberger had a meniscus injury. Mm-hmm. He might be back in two weeks. That's not C.J. Anderson's prognosis. Right. That's not happening. Yeah. Devontae Booker had a similar injury as well, yeah. um, and they were wildly different. What, what, um, what, what's, what, what do you sort of foresee for 
CJ Anderson here coming up. Yeah, yeah. I've actually I've talked to CJ throughout the day, and and he's hopeful, he's optimistic. Uh, but this is going to have him out for a while. Um, you know, he went with the repair option. Obviously, there's there's two major really options that you can go with with the meniscus. You can either get it repaired, um, which typically is is the preferred option for the long term, or you can get it trimmed, uh, which is the quicker option for a return. Um, trim is not always an option, and I'm not sure if it was an option in this scenario um, without, you know, obviously not being able to look at his medical records or know that information. But trimming, the danger in trimming um, is that you remove a portion of your meniscus, which ultimately, you know, uh, affects you long term and right. your ability, you know, to keep those uh, cartilage and those things together. Um, so guys go that route all the time, especially uh, older players if they feel like they're towards the end of their career. But CJ's 25. Yeah. Um, he hopes that he has, you know, at least another five years of his career. So that's something probably where he'd rather miss another month or two rather than take another year or two off of his career. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of that scenario. As far as Booker, he did have uh, meniscus injury uh, towards his end of college. Um, and he actually had two surgeries. He went the repair option um, and repaired his lateral meniscus uh, after college. And then after two months, uh, he was still feeling pain after he began, you know, to try to walk and put pain on, put uh, pressure on his leg. And ultimately they had to go back in again for another surgery and they went the trim option the second time and trimmed 20% of his meniscus off. Um, and that ultimately got him back on his rehab. Um, and, you know, he got here, in May, got here in May and started rookie minicamp, and he was still feeling pain in his knee, he told me. Um, and ultimately they had to change his rehab uh, stint, and he had to do two-a-day two rehabs out here in between practices before and after um, to really get himself back on track. Um, and that really expedited his timeline, and he was able to get back on the field in June. And he said by July he wasn't able to finish. He wasn't feeling any more pain in his knee, but that was, you know, eight months after his initial yeah. injury. So, you know, obviously you don't want to directly correlate uh, Booker's to Anderson's because two different people, two different injuries. But that kind of shows you the stream of what can happen in a, a meniscus, you know, injury. Yeah, because there's a lot of wild speculation so far about, about how – how quickly or or not quickly C.J. Anderson can return, but he's not he's not coming back in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, obviously not. He's out a minimum eight weeks with the IR. Uh, he got placed on injured reserve, so right. the earliest he could be back, I believe, is week sixteen, um, which is against Kansas City. And, and even then, uh, I know he told me he's shooting for the playoffs, so that would be his, you know, fail safe if he can be back for the playoffs. And and even that, let's I mean let's be honest, yeah. that's probably a long shot. That that is definitely optimistic and he yeah. he would have to have a uh, a strong rehab, you know. I don't question the guy, he's a hard worker, he's a grinder, um, and I don't want to count a guy out. So, you know, that's still an option, uh, but it is a, a grinding rehab um, and it's something that he's going to really have to attack. Um, if he hopes to have any chance to get back this year. Speaking of, of him being a, a grinding a grinder, he's that's how he runs as well. Yeah. Um, we saw what Devontae Booker could do last week. He uh, he's very explosive. Um, probably hits hits holes in the line a little bit quicker than than CJ Anderson. Is there is there a running back on the Broncos roster right now who can fill that kind of tough guy grinder role that CJ Anderson? Is that Capri Bibbs? Yeah, I, I mean 
Booker's going to get the majority of the snaps. He's going to be the man, yeah. uh, so to speak. But Capri's going to have a big role in this. Um, and Capri, you know, we've talked about him, you know, at the Denver Post, and he has a really interesting story of how he got here, um, ultimately from Chicago, and and you know, going through different, different, uh, different, you know, terrible situations to get ultimately to Colorado State did the JUCO route, then got to Colorado State, and then ultimately here, and he spent the first two years on the Broncos practice squad waiting for a chance, um, and then finally he makes the active roster beating out Ronnie Hillman uh, for that third running back spot, and it's all about opportunity. I mean, I've, I've talked to him several times this week, and, you know, obviously CJ's his boy. He's one of his closest friends on the team, but this is his chance. This yeah. is his chance to show that He's a, a valuable player in this league, and he's a guy that can really make a name for himself in this time. If he can really solidify himself as a, a very good change of pace back, a guy that they can depend on, and, like, and, a, and a guy they feel like they don't have to go out in the free agency market and pick up another guy to share the load. So if he and Booker can form their own one-two combo that CJ and Devontae were starting to form, then that can sort of alleviate. It won't completely replace, but alleviate some of the uh, absence from CJ and continue the run game being the forefront of their offense. Yeah, Capri is probably not as as wide yeah. as CJ Anderson, but he might be the strongest of the three. Yeah, he's huge. Right? He's, he's, I, yeah, no, he's a strong guy. He's a he's a bench strong guy. Like yeah, he's, he's right. you know, I don't know their numbers, but I'd probably garner that Capri benches the most out of those uh those running backs. And he he had a hard it's a little bit apples and oranges a little bit mm. comparing the pro game to the college game. But he had a, a lot of harder yards yeah. with CSU. He wasn't always being given. It wasn't like he you know, he, he was just running into an open field all, all the time. He gained, you know, he was he gained nearly two thousand. Well, I don't even know his, his yard. Yeah, nearly yeah. two thousand yards for yeah. CSU in that season. The and and they were they were hard earned yards. He he can do it as a matter of identity at yeah. least. Yeah. yeah, running running hasn't really been a problem for him. I think the thing and and he had to learn it himself. I know. Um, me and him kind of talked about it, and he kind of contributed attributed himself for being a little hard-headed uh, because he believed he had the talent. He believed he should have got drafted. He went undrafted. He believed he should have made the roster on each of the first two years. Um, but this offseason, he really looked at himself and, and tried to listen to what the coaches wanted him to do to get better. Mm -hmm. And by all accounts, he's come back a different player. You know, he's become a more complete player. It hasn't been just about what can Capri do with the ball in his hands. It's about can he pass protect? Can he know his assignments? Can he pick up blitz? Can he can he really be in the right position um, when things happen? And I think overall game has been uh, improved, and now he can truly get on the field enough to show you know some of that you know uh, hard earned yards ability that he's uh, shown. He's got a mixture of the power and the speed, um, so I think that he'll be able to show that. And you know he's shown a little bit in limited snaps. He gets four carries for 21 yards this season. Um, and he had one reception for about nine yards. So now he's probably looking at, you know, anywhere from eight to ten touches a game, yeah. uh, depending on the feel of it, and, and maybe more. So uh, it's going to be a, a, a real chance for him to show it. When, when C.J. Anderson went down, uh, we all immediately, you know, looked for possible additions to the roster um, because the Broncos this week ripped off a trade for a tight end, A.J. Derby from New England, um, and names that immediately – Came, uh, one name that immediately kind of came to the fore as a possible maybe trade target or, or signing target of the Broncos would, was C.J. Spiller, who was released by the, by the Seahawks. But 
the Broncos have these players around for a reason. They have the Capri Bibbs around. They have Jawan Thompson on the practice squad. Those are the, they have those players around for a reason, so that you don't have to go do something drastic if you lose a guy to injury. Um, it seems to me that that's more likely to be the scenario that they look in house um, for help, or or not, or maybe you know it's possible that they don't even they don't even suit three traditional running backs. Yeah. Um, they they might even call up. They might not even bring Juwan Thompson on the roster right away. Um, but but they have options, and they those options seem to be best in house. Am I am I crazy off here? No, no. I think you're exactly right. And I think the main thing is you're in the middle of the season here. Um, you can't understate enough how hard it is to learn an entire offense yeah. um, at this point. And you've got guys that have been in your system like Capri and Jawan that know it, um, and that's a huge benefit. You know, you bring another running back in here who doesn't really have an idea of what you're doing, it's probably going to take them at least two or three weeks to just get a portion of the playbook, and they might not even get all of it. That was a big portion. That was a big portion of the problems last year with Vernon Davis. Me and him talked a few times last year, and he said he never really could get the playbook. Yeah. He's just straightforward, you know. You know, every time he thought he got it, they added something new or they went a different <laughs> way. And some of that's, you know, just a player's ability to grasp it. Yeah. But then some of it's just true. You know, Kubiak has a big playbook, and um, ultimately, if you want to have a, a running back, you want him completely comfortable with pass protections, runs, and know what he's doing. So you really lean on the guys that you have first and if they prove they can't do it um, then ultimately you go that route so I think it'll be uh, Devontae and Capri and then probably Jawan as well um, and those will be the three guys and if they can show they can really uh, carry the load then I think it'll be those three for the rest of the year and and there's some versatility built into the roster as well Andy Janovich fullback yeah. he could carry the ball if they need to <laughs> Virgil Green played fullback last year there I mean they could always move him into a fullback type role if they right. needed Janovich to carry the ball um, and A.J. Derby, uh, who was a quarterback in college and now plays tight end, they, they traded f- him for him for his tight end ability. Right. But he, uh, I mean, he sort of has the he, – he doesn't look like Rob Gronkowski. He's built more like a running back, right. to be honest. I'm, I'm not saying that they would yeah, or they yeah, – yeah. He, he played quarterback in college. So he has some athletic ability enough right. to – you know, if it, you know there, there are options that they have sort of just sitting around. But – um, how much does this affect them going forward? Do we see a drastic change in the in the in offensive game planning from Gary Kubiak? Yeah, no, I think this week is going to be an interesting uh, test for that. Um, and I think largely, honestly, there's probably still an, a lot of unknown from the coaches in that expected uh, realm because you know the offense was about the run game when C.J. Anderson and Devontae Booker was there. Their best performances were when the run game was at its best. Obviously, they can win when Trevor um, is the key, you know, to the offense like they did in Cincinnati when he went for 300 yards. But ideally, they want their wins to look a lot like they did against Houston, where it's heavy run, you throw enough to need to, and your defense plays really well. So it's going to be up to Ken Devontae Booker and to a lesser extent Capri Bibbs replace or do similar to what they did, you know, with CJ and Devante. And if they can't, then then it has to shift. Yeah. You gotta throw the ball a little bit more. You gotta get uh make a manual and, and, and DT the key of that. But then that sort of forces your young quarterback to do a little bit more than you necessarily right. want him to do. Right. So that that's the danger in there. Yeah, no, exactly. And then, you know, I think their worst their worst running game this season was against the Chargers on that Thursday night. Yeah. Um 
so it, it will be certainly a big test against the Chargers to see what they can do running the ball. And if and it's one week though too, if if Devontae Booker goes crazy and rushes for three two hundred yards, right? I don't think we can. I don't. I don't think it's safe to say that he's he's better than C.J. Anderson immediately, or they'll they'll be better off without C.J. Whatever, or vice versa. If he rushes for fifty yards, it's not the end of the, totally end of the world, but it's a big test. Yeah. Um. They really need to run against the Chargers a lot better than they did the last game because what it led to. Against that in that Chargers loss was Trevor Simeon throwing the ball fifty times, and that's absolutely not what they want uh, with this offense. Um, but some interesting stuff to look forward to. Um, the other, the other sort of uh, weird kind of not there's no such thing as a revenge game. Mm-hmm. But the other weird thing coming out of the, their Chargers loss was um, <laughs> the, the defense took a lot of heat out of that game. I th- I heard somebody say this week that um, the the defense got smashed by the Chargers. That's, I don't think that was the case. They yeah. held they held Philip Rivers to his the fewest yards he's thrown all season, and and Chargers fewest points all season. Um, but they at least have something to kind of prove um, this week. And you talked to Todd Davis, yeah. linebacker to inside linebacker Todd Davis um, about some of that. Uh, we'll get to, we'll get to that next here right away on the first and orange podcast. Cameron Wolf back here with the first and orange podcast, joined by Broncos linebacker Todd Davis. What's up, man? What's up, man? Obviously, you guys coming into the Chargers game. Two, second time three weeks. Mm-hmm. Y'all kind of get get that bad taste out of your mouth and get the revenge. Is, is that the feel uh, out here? Yeah, definitely. We definitely have a bad taste in our mouth um, from the first game. So we're excited to get back out there and definitely uh, get our name back where it needs to be. Obviously for you, this is your first year as a starter, but you've been playing strong so far. Is this kind of how your first half you kind of would have expected it to go? Um, not exactly, but, you know, God had a uh, plan to go a certain way, so, you know, I'm excited about that, and I just want to continue to get better, you know, the whole season. Do you have any, any personal goals for yourself either this year or, or in the future where you want to reach? Um, right now, it's just continue to get better every game. Um, just continue to uh, improve my play and have the coaches and the staff um, see that I'm excelling um, every step of the way. Like many other linebackers that come through, you kind of have the story of, of starting off somewhere else, getting mm-hmm. cut, and then joining here. What has that journey kind of shaped you, you know, to be at this point now? Um, I think it's definitely left a chip on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it makes me hungrier, work harder, um, and, I, and I feel like I never want to go back to the point where I don't know where I'm going to be the next day or I'm getting cut. So I definitely, you know, strive every day to get better just so I'm secure in where I'm at and I'm not ever put in that situation again because when you're going through it, you don't know if, when you're coming out or how you're going to come out. So I definitely strive and work hard to never be in that situation again. How is the Saints organization compared to the Broncos? Uh, they're both great organizations. <laughs> I mean, uh, the Saints, the Saints, they show me love by picking me up. But um, I love being a Bronco and I wouldn't change it for the world. What's your favorite thing about Colorado? Ooh, favorite thing about Colorado. I think it's just how how much is in the state to do. Um, I think you know, you drive an hour, you can go snowboarding. Um, Thirty minutes, you can go get some good hiking, and then you know, ten minutes the other way, you can go downtown and get the best of the city life. So it's a little bit of everything. Obviously, you're from Sacramento, back home. What's the what's the uh, the divide between uh, California? A lot of times you hear people talk about you know North Side, South Side. How, is that real? 
It is real. I feel like it's it really could be two different states. It's just totally different. The atmosphere, uh, the people. Not that anything's wrong with Northern California at all. It's just a whole different type of vibe up there. Um, uh, SoCal is more, you know, beachy, uh, killer waves dude. And uh, NorCal is more, like, hippie-ish, uh, laid back. You know, it's just a different type of vibe. What's your uh, take on the way NFL penalizes you know, defensive players. <laughs> Man, that's a that's a that's a sore subject for me right now. Cause I have two cases pending. <laughs> so um, I don't know, man. I just feel like you know, I don't know. I don't really. It kind of feels excessive to me sometimes. But I feel like I wish offensive players, I guess, kind of got held to the same uh, standard or had the same opportunity to get get uh, penalized or uh, to get fined. Because I feel like it's strictly defensive players and. You know, it hurts to get that money taken away. Nobody likes to lose money, and then when they take a big chunk of it, you know, it hurts. My kids need to eat. So. <laughs> you, you talked about your cases. Obviously, you got got popped a couple times. Mm-hmm. Are those cases usually pretty set, or, or is that possible to overturn? Um, you know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to hear back on both of them right now. So um, people say they're set, but I've been praying and hoping that there's another way that they can get uh, reversed or at least lessened. Obviously, this week you guys kind of figuring out Brandon's going to play with the hamstring or whatnot. If he can't play, does that change your role and whether you have to call plays or is that core responsibility? How's that? How would that shift? Um, you know, my role is pretty much the same. You know, me and B March communicate out there in the field, and if he can't go this week, uh, me and Corey will do the same thing. We'll kind of keep it the same uh, as far as the communication aspect of the of the game. Um, and I know Corey's ready. I'm excited for him to see him play. I know he's been preparing this whole week. If he doesn't get his opportunity to play, he's ready. Obviously, a couple weeks ago when you had the backs and the tight ends, a lot of people were pointing to you guys like, you know, y'all doing something wrong. Did that bother you guys? And then how did it feel last week to be able to kind of shut those guys down and kind of eliminate what people thought, you know, was a problem? <laughs> yeah, it definitely it definitely um, got under my skin a little bit. But, I mean, it's just like you got to kind of brush it off and be like, okay, watch what we do this week. Or, you know, you know we put that behind us. Um, fix our scheme, work on our technique, and we move on to the next thing. I think uh, people want to point fingers, you know, if something bad happens. But, you know what I mean? It, it is what it is. You kind of got to let it go and move on to the next thing and just show people, continue, I continue to prove people wrong. What's the biggest thing that people don't know about being in the NFL? Um, I think it's people sometimes think we just go strap on pads and go play football. I don't think they understand how much time, preparation, and how mental the game is. You know, I feel like it's more mental than it is, even is physical. You know, um, different checks and formations and shifts and all these things that you got to be uh, ready for and prepared for. I think people don't understand how mental the game is. And, uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing for me. Appreciate you, Todd. Thanks for joining the First in Orange podcast, and I uh, hope you get out there and get a win. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me.